Hello, my name's Chris Paul and I am the CEO and founder of Man on Inverclyde, a mental health charity based in Greenock in the west of Scotland. And we're bringing you this message today to raise awareness of mental health and raise awareness of our charity and how we can maybe support you, your friends or your loved ones if you need it. Now, we started off as a suicide prevention charity and we're continuing that mission. We want to break the stigma attached to mental health. We want to break the stigma attached to men's mental health and I know that a lot of men will be listening to this podcast so please get in touch with us via Man on Inverclyde on social media and um, you'll find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you're not on social media and you want to get in touch with us via email just type in support at manoninverclyde.com our landline here is 01475-910258. So yeah, get in touch with us if you're struggling with your own mental health or you're concerned about a friend or a family member. One of our staff members are volunteers here to support you. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Gallant View Rangers podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and I'm delighted to be your host as ever. Um, here to talk all things Rangers on the live stream again. Um, listeners, if you're tuning in on Facebook, Twitter or YouTube, get your questions or general comments in the comment session. If there's anything you want us to discuss or if you just want to, I don't know, make an observation in any of our appearances that you have the last couple of weeks, that's more than welcome as well. Joining me tonight, um, we've got David Pollock returning. David, how are you doing, mate? Smashing, guys, smashing. Yeah, uh, looking forward to all shiny new signings, which haven't happened yet, but it's uh, just building up the suspense. Can't wait. Well, we'll get to shiny new signings in a minute. Um, before we do, also joining us, Craig Campbell. How are you, mate? Not bad, Colin. Um, thanks for having me on tonight. Um, looking forward to some some. Hot topics as usual, and just can echo what David um, says there. See, I, I will say, I think it's probably more likely that Boris Johnson's going to go the night than what it is getting somebody signing for Rangers over the next week. But uh, aye, hopefully both happen. Uh, but aye, good to be here. I know. Hopefully, it happens during the fucking podcast because there's been a few times where we've been recording or whatever uh, over the last year or so, and as soon as we finish recording, Something happens, <laughs> you know. That's um, Rangers announcer, um, a signing or the club eighteen seventy two shit all kicked off right after that pod. I remember that. So, Mister Rangers, if you're listening, um, before half nine, preferably. Aye, I've got the notifications on the phone, so he's a shoot. Happy days. There we go. Live for the gallant few. Main, he's returned um, after his his summer off, back for pre season. Graham Curry, how are you, mate? Good, Colin. Yeah, happy to be back on the podcast. Um, I see we've went all fancy now and we're on YouTube and we're live, so this is a, a major development for us. There's no chance to edit out all my nonsense that we used to be able to do. So, But yeah, happy to be back. Well, it's um, this is still the trial period uh, for the YouTube because, you know, I'm quite a technophobe. This will be the fourth one and I've no managed to break anything yet. Should have seen how much I was flapping the first week, mate. Um, I was on uh, on this platform an hour early to make sure I could work it. So, 
in the lack of ranger signings, the gallant few thought we'll um, we'll get a bit of news generated. No pressure. Uh, the gallant few new signing making his debut. Chris, how are you, my man? I'm very good, thank you. And uh, thank you for asking me to be part of the show. Um, when you announced my signing, I was expecting Andy Cameron to be on doing it, but you know, I'll settle with you and Craig. But yeah, it's great to be on. Thank you, Colin. No, good to have you on, mate. Good to have you on. So, you know, give the listeners a wee bit about yourself. You know, how long have you been following Rangers for? It's basically been a thing since I was born, you know. Um, both, my, both my mother's family and my father's family were all right blue noses, do you know what I mean? So it wasn't as if I chose. I got, you know what I mean? There was, was no option. And I'm grateful for that, do you know what I mean? Um, can you remember the first game around about 1995? And I've been a season ticket holder since 2001. And I've probably sat in about eight different seats since then, but just now I'm currently sitting in the East Enclosure. Good man, good man. Comfy, good stock then, eh? That's always a good start. Always a good start. Colin, I just want to just interrupt just for two seconds, right? Just a wee bit inside knowledge here. You better tell me Rangers have signed somebody. <laughs> Justin! Uh, no, um, Chris, see the first game? Was that the game? Was that the friendly in the Copeland Road with your old man? No, it wasn't that one, mate. Because <laughs> that story's a belter call and you need to go back to that, by the that's way. A, that's one for another day. <laughs> oh, well, if we run out of things to talk about the night, which might very well happen, then Chris, we've got to put you in the spot there, mate. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, aye, it's, it's going to be a long summer, so let's not spoil all, all our good content uh, straight away. Might need to keep this for next week. It's a rainy day one. Aye. So, gents, um, Obviously, we spoke beforehand. Uh, the very first um, point of discussion we're going to talk about is Andy Gorham. This is the first time we've got together since the passing of the Rangers goalie. Um, really sad news that the club announced last week. Um, obviously, we we all we all knew about his illness, and it's you know, it was just a matter of time. But it's, it doesn't make it any easier for family, friends, and the people who grew up adoring Andy Gorham. Um, Davy Paul, we'll start with you. It's no, it's it's really sad, and that's um, it's been another another great Ranger gone in quite a short period of time, eh? Yeah, and it just kind of brings it home to you that how trivial all this is compared to you know what Andy's just gone through. It's uh, absolutely heartbreaking stuff. But the goalie was uh, was extra specially for I know maybe. T- some of you guys maybe would not have seen him playing at Ibrox, but for me, when when the mention of the goalie, just mention his name, you know, you think of a Rangers side which were uh, absolutely dominant. We were untouchable at that time, and and Andy was uh, was the goalie of that team, and that's that's the mood I get when when I think about Andy Gorham. We were we had, you know with Loudrop and Gascoigne, and we were absolutely the simply the best, simply the best as Andy was, you know, and. I did have the, the pleasure of meeting Andy when we we played in a Rangers charity match, which was over in Kilburnie Juniors, which was about maybe five, six years ago. Uh, top notch. You know, the banter in the changing rooms uh, before it, uh, getting stripped, getting out, it was, it's just non-stop. Him, Charlie Miller, were uh, a double act. It was, uh, he's a superb bloke, superb bloke. And they had a kind of Q&A thing after it, so we had a few drinks in the club after it. Uh, top notch. That's the only time I ever met him. But I've seen him play loads of times. Eh? And you know, and for those who haven't watched it, I mean, I would recommend that you go back to the 
Rangers versus Leeds game went at Ellen Road, the away tie, and they uh, just watched that game. Even just the highlights, I think there's kind of like 25 minutes of it on YouTube. And the saves that he made that night, it was just uh, top notch. I think he was he was probably the best in Britain. If he, we had a keeper of that standard now, he would be snapped up PDQ. But Rangers were one of the top clubs in Britain at the time, if not the top, the top club. So no one could come to iBooks. We would, we would go raid them before they would come and raid us. So that's the stature of, and, and the level that Andy Gorham was at. Absolutely uh, first class. Very sad. Very sad. Craig, um, Davey, one of the first things Davey said was he was a Rangers goalie. And I was saying uh, beforehand that, like I've said a few times in the pod, like my earliest memories are um, the Rangers of the advocate era. Um, but even as I started on the Ibrox, I, I knew the presence of Andy Gorham and I knew that he was the Rangers goalie. And every goalkeeper, like my favourite goalkeeper was Stefan Cross, but he was forever being compared to Andy Gorham, and that was just that was a that was a standard for every goalie ever since. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm probably in the same boat as yourself, Colin. Um, I went to a game. It was the 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 eight in a row year. Um, I can't remember much about it. It would have been heart. It was Hearts, um, and I would have probably went to maybe four or five um, games with, with Andy Gorham playing in it. But going forward, it was always Stefan Kloss that that. Um, Certainly, kind of early teenage years um, was was who I seen as as being the goalie, um, and then obviously when you get a bit older and you start getting educated a bit more about Rangers, and um, it's it's pretty clear who the goalie is um, through the history. And similar to David, that I played in a a, a Legends match, um, similar as well. Charlie Miller and, um, and, the, and Andy Gorham were in the. The changing rooms and Jose Katongo and there was, there was a few characters in there. And I was I was really really lucky that I got to sit next to Andy Gorham um, that that day. And, um, won't go into but similar kind of story with my recovery stuff that he, I turned up hungover um, and at that point Andy was sober. And I kind of just kind of said a bit about who I was and what, what was happening in my life at that time and. He said a few things which uh, I'm not going to say it changed the direction of where I was going at that point, but um, it certainly stuck with me. Um, it's someone that I've always kind of related to in terms of his, his, as much as he's been an amazing football player and stuff, he's been very honest and open throughout his life about his, his demons. And um, that's something that I, I'm very, um, very big on that. See, see if someone can be honest. Um, about that stuff and, and use his he, he, he very much used his um, persona to, to show that anyone can suffer for that stuff and um, I mean just what David was saying there about Leeds whenever I think of Andy Gorham I think of that save at the Broomloan uh, for, for Van Hoydonk and it's just like I've, I've watched that a few times over the week and that just should not have been a save like it just should have been in the back of the net um, similar as well I'll finish on this it's like uh, sitting in the the Q and A afterwards, and the question comes up about the, the the save, and I won't, for obvious reasons, I won't get into that. But he's very very funny with, with how he put that across with the the save and the kind of aftermath after that. And, um, I, I loved Andy Gorham for he always read the room, so that he knew how to deliver something. Um, likewise, if he was in mixed company, I mean, if you watch the video um, of the the do that they had for him, 
Um, I think it was like the week before he passed away. There was a, quite a lot of Celtic players in that, um, and a lot of them spoke very, very highly of the respect that they had for him. He, they knew what he was, they knew who he was, and what, what Rangers and everything about Rangers meant to him. But he never rubbed it in their face. Um, but I, uh, RIP the goalie. And uh, hopefully this stuff stops now and we don't need to talk about people passing, man, because it's, uh, it's just been horrible. I know it's you're absolutely spot on with that, but it's um, it's never easy losing anybody um, that you've grown up um, adoring or any public figures like that. Um, and Rangers have they've had a few high profile ones, but Graham, um, we'll come to you and so a bit older than me, you've you know, you watched Rangers through in the 90s. Craig's uh, Craig and Davey have mentioned a couple of. Uh, a couple of highlights there. The the Hoydonk save, the, the Leeds United game, but we could be here all night if we were to go through how many trophies Andy Gorham won for Rangers or played his part in winning league titles or just you know, just playing outstanding outstanding performances. He's part of the, the Rangers team that I always go back to. So even when I'm watching Rangers now, I think about the Rangers team as a teenager and he was part of it. He was part of the, such a successful team. He was he was brought. I, I remember Chris Woods as well. Uh, vaguely, you know, Chris Woods was a great goalkeeper, and we had to bring in players into that team because of the three foreigner rule. So we had to bring in a, a lot of Scottish guys, and and that's why Andy was brought in. Chris Woods was moved out, and Andy was brought in. And right from the start, he was fantastic. What a, what a keeper that the saves he made, but. That was in 1991. I seen him at Scottish Cup final in 1992 um, against Airdrie. So right from then, that was me. That was my team, you know. And and uh, aye, Andy was Andy was part of that team. He was always. I, I mentioned this a few months ago. What that Rangers team were? They were always out celebrating, but they went to the work. It was their job for them as well. They loved Rangers, of course they did, but they went to their work. They came in on a Monday morning and they worked their hard. So they were dedicated professionals, that, that that team in that dressing room, and he was part of that. But it wasn't just the Leeds game that David and Craig mentioned. It's that whole European campaign where we went, um, all the way to the Champions League with Marseille and Bruges and CSK Moscow. He made some amount of saves that whole campaign. It was, it was a rock. And it was partly a, a defensive five, you know. You had your back four, and you had Gorham conducting it all. And it was, um, it, it was a leader as well. It actually led that defence. Um, obviously, with golf being there as well, that was a, a huge part of it. But yeah, it was a, it was a sad loss to a sad loss through the week. Um, but a great player and a great ranger. Chris, I think it's fair to say that he's. He's not going to be forgotten about, and already Rangers have announced that they're going to have the minute silence for him this Saturday in the friendly against Sunderland, and the following week uh, for the first home friendly, they will lay a wreath to him. But I think, um, you know, when the funeral announcements are uh, announced, if there's something to go past, um, I will also the cottage. Uh, I can see that being a, a massive turnout, and it will be somebody fondly remembered for, um, for as long as time allows it. Absolutely. Um, 
the fact that he gets called the goalie just shows you how much of a legend he was, you know. And we, we, we touched on it before, we've been blessed to have such great keepers, you know. In my lifetime, obviously, I started off with it was Gorham, then Shaboni took over, then it was Kloss, then after Kloss, it was McGregor, do you know what I mean? And talking about Gorham, Kloss, McGregor, there's three outstanding keepers, and Gorham was the top for me, do you know what I mean? He, I loved everything about him. He felt safe when he was in goals. He made saves that you just wouldn't expect. And I know David and Craig touched on it and Graham as well about the Leeds United game. But that season, the terrible winning season, when you look back at the highlights and stuff, that was probably his best. And even when, when I started properly getting into it, which was um, 97, 98, when we never got the 10. And even that season, he made some cre- incredible saves when he's maybe his fitness wasn't as great as it had been. You know, he was getting a bit on and. It was a game that stuck out for me. Was we the one we won one nil at Ibrooks, Richard Goff scored, and it was an important goal in the way he really got running and he made two saves from Larson and they were kind of identical one after the other and oh they were bottom corner quality saves and that was just what you were used to be Gorham. Do you know what I mean? You were just like asking Andy Gorham save and been very fortunate enough to meet him numerous times. I've been at speakers nights. He's been there. I've bumped into him in Bulgaria Airport and he actually said something to me because he noticed I had an RFC chain and I was like, I was only about 15 and I'm standing at the airport and he's talking away about Rangers and stuff and that. I'm speaking to the goalie, do you know what I mean? And actually, he was always very humble. He never came across that, oh, who, you're nothing, I'm, I'm the superstar, do you know what I mean? I've had a drink with him as well. Um, he came to your charity day for a supporters bus and he was brilliant. He st- stopped and spoke to everybody and just the way he conducted himself is how you expect a ranger to, do you know what I mean? And his legacy will lived on. He is the greatest goalie of all time, you know? No, that's... Uh, I love that, right? The goalie has stopped you. A 15-year-old Chrissy on his on, on the way his holidays and he's taking the time to go and talk about rangers to you. Then, do you know what I mean? It's at the airport when you're waiting for your bags and he's probably in a rush and... It's before mobile phones were as great, do you know what I mean? And I'm shouting my mum to come over with a Kodak, can I get a photo and all that, do you know what I mean? He was very patient. That's brilliant. Um, uh, I actually met Andy Gorham uh, twice. Um, so I grew up across the road for the, the Quarry Bar in Rutherland um, for MD, MD the Nose. That area. Andy Gorham was the manager there for a couple of years and me being a fucking widow when I was younger, um, tried to go on when I was 16, no idea, and just tried to get served, and I looked about 12, and he didn't give me a rollicking, but he was just like, come on, son, where are you playing at? I was like, can I get a pint, please? He's like, no, the night power, there you go. So I went, I went, but he was brand new with me. I actually met him in Vienna a few years ago. Um, we were meeting a group of pals for the Viceroy, um, Barbara Paisley Road West over in Vienna when Rangers played there a couple of years ago and we got text coming to this pub to meet our pal Bobby and he was there with Andy Gorham so I was like oh I've met you before blah 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 so I have a, and it's just like ah oh, well serves you fucking right for, for trying to get served underage but then he got me a pint so all, all amends were made um, you know it's very brief encounters uh, but a lovely man nonetheless. Um, so rest in peace, Andy Gorham. Um, there's a few comments coming in um, that I've tried to share on on screen there. Um, 
everybody will have their own memories of meeting uh, Andy Gorham or just watching him like, do his thing for for Rangers. Cement his place as a as a goalie. If you get them in, if you can get them in the comments, anything that you want to share, and through the pod, I'll, I'll get them put on the screen because it's a. Uh, There'll be 101 beautiful memories um, that everybody's got, so feel free to get them in the comments. Um, Colin, uh, one other thing I've got to mention, and I sent you the link to the the video of the game at Ibrox when he when Decanio gets caught offside <clears throat> and Andy Gorham hits him with the ball and, and the crowd all cheer. And then, and obviously the camera's on Decanio, then... Uh, Andy Gorham hits Decanio with the ball. Clearly, he's pushing the buttons. Eh? Decanio goes berserk, but that just kind of tells you the the mindset of Andy. You know that mischief in him. Just wind this guy up, wind this guy up, and he took the bait and he just he had him on a hook. It was absolutely fantastic, and the crowd are cheering it. And then, of course, they then break into there's only one Andy Gorham. The whole stadium, or or just winding him up. It's absolutely beautiful. It's on YouTube. Yeah, we search. Look at it. I, I never stop laughing at this video. Never stop. Check Sharp in the comments. He's actually said Andy's biggest asset was insight. Reading the minds of opposition players. Um, I think Jack was meaning for when there's one on one saves, but I think it was in terms of how he read the read the dark arts of the game as well. And I'm all for that. There's mm-hmm. not enough Rangers players that do that now. Um, just have that, you know, that wind up in them, know how to get under the skin um, of the opposition. So I'm all for that. Um, there's really no easy way to uh, move on for remembering one of the Rangers greats. Uh, so we'll we'll just kind of we will crack on. But again, please do get your your memories of Andy Gorham in the in the comments. Davey will um, will turn the current affairs. Obviously, the only big signing has been Chris on the Gallant few, but there has been. Some rumours really cranked up on on the Rangers front. Um, first, first of all, John Abel. So when Fabrizio Romano tends to report a rumour, it means it's going to happen within the day. And he's came out saying that it looks very likely that he's going to be moving to Southampton. So John Abel has a £10 million release cost, apparently, and I think the deal structured that it'll be £6 million with add-ons that will take it up to around the £10 million mark, as well as a as well as uh, a sell-on clause. Um, how are you feeling about the the thought of life after a label going into next season? Well, <clears throat> to be honest, it's, it, the kind of pain is eased by the kind of second half of the season that he had, Arebo, because post the the African tournament, I think Joe was, his contribution was lightweight. I, maybe that's not the correct word, but so, but I mean, a smashing player and technical ability came on leaps and bounds. Uh, but I would have thought that we would have got uh, a bit more than ten million for him because a Nigerian international, you know, he's uh, he didn't chip in with thousands of goals in his three years at Rangers, but he uh, contributed plenty of assists. He scored big goals. I mean, biggest being probably the one in Seville. But uh, you know, he's a smashing player uh, on his day, unplayable. Unplayable. You, the goal against Braga, you just, you know, he had uh, no right to score that and did and brought us right back into the game. And, you know, that's uh, so that, that's how big a player he was. We'll, we will miss him terribly. I'm just hoping that, you know, Gio will have uh, anticipated all of this, you know, and perhaps, you know, Morelos, Kent you know, and others, and that there's a grand plan in place, sorry, <clears throat> for us to replace these guys because uh, 
I'm hoping we're not we're going to go for a bit of quality to replace Joe Aribo because uh, um, it won't can't be a project player. Something of a, a similar standard will be required. Not the exact type of player, maybe something a wee bit more suited to uh, Scottish football, but certainly we, we'll, we'll need to replace him. If Joe Aribo goes, he'll be a big loss, no doubt about that. Craig, David touched on there about the second half of the, se- second half of the season that Joe Aribo had, and uh, it's maybe a wee bit unfair at times because he was phenomenal. He was the best player in Scotland by far in the first half of the season, so it's probably always going to be hard to live up to that. But he, his performance did dip in the second half. But incredibly, where credit's due, he did turn up in Europe, and he we've seen something from him that we hadn't seen in the first couple of years. Um, he was a lot more versatile and adapt. I mean, he was playing the lone striker at one point. Um, it's kind of bittersweet. I think um, it's probably the right time to move on and um, we signed him for 300 grand. We've got a good few years with him. He's helped us win 55. We're getting a decent amount of money for him. Um, he goes with my best wishes. I, I would echo that as well, mate. Um, I, I was a bit shocked when I read that it was a £10 million clause, um, just similar to David. Um, I would have thought that the way that he was looked at by the likes of Stephen Gerrard, and I'm pretty sure it was Alan that, that uh, Mark Allen that brought him in, um, he was touted as going to be a, a phenomenal player. And on his day, he's, he's, I mean, he gave me one of the best. Uh, Best nights at Ibrox with the Braga game um, when he when he danced his way through for the second goal and that that I always remember that that's like we can talk about the Seville final goal and stuff like that but when I think of Joe Aribo I just think of that goal um, he's an extremely frustrating player for me um, he, he tends to be when he's on his game he's he's into everything he wants the ball all the time he's he's actually like he. His legs would just extend to like he's about six foot five, but he would look about eight foot with the way that he would extend his legs for tackles and stuff. But on the flip side, that if he wasn't on his game, he doesn't look interested. Um, and that's there was periods during that that second half of the season where for me he didn't look. I know that it looked like fatigue at times, but there was times where he wouldn't go in for tackles, he wouldn't go up for heaters. Um, and it tends to be if he doesn't. If he's knowing his game, he starts to hide. Um, again, there's no taking away from the fact that he played the lone striker role. Um, the first half of the season, arguably the best player on our team last year. Um, very similar to you. He goes with my best wishes. I'm just disappointed at the fact that we're looking at £10 million, um, for a clause. If they were coming in and saying, we'll give you £10 million, we're accepting that, I don't know. I think I would probably be like, that's fair dues. But why why value our players so low? Um, that's that's a disappointing thing for me. Graham, um, on the flip side of that, it's I think now ten million pound for Joe Aribo is pish. But at the time, when you're spending three hundred grand and a boy who's played in League One, putting in a ten million pound. If we said three years ago you're going to get ten million pound for this boy. I don't think too many would be complaining, but that's um, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, I don't know if this was this ten million pound release clause was part of the bargaining chip to get Aribo to come up to Scotland because he had he had tons of offers at the time that he left Charlton. Um, 
I'm trying to look at the positive. It's nearly 30 times the amount we paid for him. Of course it is. I think we just need to accept it. That's what we're going to have to do in future. As long as we're getting the same sort of incentive further down the line, so that if he does become a great player, then we're going to benefit from a sell-on fee or a sell-on percentage. I think we just need to accept it. We're going to have to get these players in from the lower leagues in England or the youth teams from England, develop them, and then hope for the best that we can make it. He's not a £10 million player. We know that, but that's just what we need to accept. I, I can't see any other way about it. It's, it's probably been an, an incentive in his contract to say that he's got obviously confidence in his ability to say that in two or three years' time, I'm going to be a great player and I want to be able to go. So I don't want to be held. And we're just going to... I don't think that's bad negotiation on our part. I don't... I don't think Rangers. Um, I don't think Rangers can be criticised for that because we're going to have players that we're going to put these ten million pound clauses in, and actually they're only worth three million, and we'll punt them. Scott Wright, for example, let's let's say Scott Wright put a clause in his contract that he's going to have to go for um, ten million. He he'll have a release clause, but nobody will pay ten million for Scott Wright. But these things are going to be in contracts and. We just need to accept it. We're going to benefit as well, so there'll be there'll be um, we benefit quite a bit by the cross border development fees and things like that. So it's just the market we need to work in, and and we can't um, we can't criticise it. I don't think we just need to accept. It, as I say, I I don't think it will derail us too much. I, 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 I think Craig mentioned there that on his days brilliant, and some days he's no. That's what frustrates me about Aribo is like, do we actually see him going down to the Premiership and being an outstanding player? Some days, yes. Some days I think he, he's gone to the very top. And then other days you're like, he's mincy, he, he can't trap a ball. And then there's, again, reiterating what Craig said, he's, he's got a, a four-foot leg, that ball that he trapped. Remember, he trapped a ball once, a ball for Goldson right here, trapped it once and then put it in the bottom corner. He's able to do these things. Scored a goal for, against St Mirren, I remember. Curled the ball into the top corner as well. He's capable of so much great things. So I, I, I'm torn whether he'll be a success or not. I really hope he does. If he does become a success, we'll benefit because we'll get a sell-on clause and we'll get a bit of money from it. But... I also think we've got enough in the midfield to to be able to cover them. It's the forward areas that I think we need to strengthen. Our midfield is strong. We've got enough in there. I'm wondering if Hadji will be the one. Um, I'm wondering if Hadji would be the one that's going to step up and take that take that place and take that on. He's got the potential to do it because he can do it in big games as well. Um, obviously, that depends on his recovery for the injury uh, recovery from the injury, but. Yeah, yeah. It goes with my best wishes as well. He's been a he's been a good ranger. He's done the he's done the job. Chris, there's been a few comments there about um, what Rangers need in terms of able um, kind of mix for the the viewers that that we do have enough there to um, to backfill Arebo. Hadji's been the, the obvious one, but there's also, we've seen Glenn Kamana play further forward at times. We've got Arfield, we've got 
we've got a few players. Ali's Lowry is a big one as well, but at the same time, I think we need to be patient with Lowry. Do we need a, a direct replacement for that? I don't know. It's hard to say because Haribo played midfield up front and points left back. It's hard to say what you're trying to replace, but do we need a direct replacement for Haribo or is it elsewhere we need? I personally don't think we do. Um, Haribo's a unique player, you know, his time at Ibrooks, you, like when players come through and they're doing well, they'll often be compared to people, you'll be like, oh, he's in the new Loudrop or he's the new McCoyst, he's the new Goff, do you know what I mean? Haribo, you couldn't compare him to anybody, do you know what I mean? It was like it was unique. I think the Lowry. I I think I personally think he's ready. You know, will he play every game that next season? No, he won't. But the glimpses I've seen him, I think he's ready to step up. The Hadji, it's a hard one. If he's kind of coming back to light training, and you're hearing other reports saying he won't be back till October and stuff like that. So. Do we kind of keep Hadji as a, a bonus when he returns, like Jack Ryan Jack was that season just passed? For me, the the vital positions is we need another striker for when Falfi's either not back straight away or he comes back and he's just not had it off straight away, or if Alfie picks up an injury again or he's away with Colombia, we need somebody to come in. I think that's what hindered us last season. Roof, if Roof's fit all season, then I'm, I'm happy with him, but we both know, well, sorry, we all know that Roof's, they're not going to get a season out of Roof at all. Do you know what I mean? If you know, if he can go through seasons where he, he loses a wee bit of form, he might go six or seven games where he's no the Alfie, they will have a door. Then it's if I feel that a second striker, not to play as a second striker, but like a backup striker who would come in, fill the boat when Alfie's not there, then if he's a success, then Alfie does leave. We've got somebody, if you know what I mean, and a right winger as well, but Obviously, we need to work within our budget. Um, but Aribo, it would be hard to replace him. Replace him. For me, the, the biggest problem with Aribo is self-belief and confidence, you know. You see glimpses of him when he's taking on players and he's got that wee bit of, about him. And the, the goal against Braga, for example, where he's beating men and slotting under the, the keeper. And you see other times where he looks, it just doesn't look like he's got the confidence, you know. And I'm not comparing them in any way, but with Gaza... Gaza knew he was brilliant. Gaza knew he was a man. So Gaza would do, do it consistently, beat the players. Do you know what I mean? Aribo, I just wish he had that wee bit more self-belief. Then we'd have seen a lot more out of him than they did. Do you know what I mean? I, I think um, the, the current comparison is Ryan Kent. Ryan Kent can be having the fucking worst runners form. Not even in the one game. He could be going weeks and weeks without a good game. He still wants the ball and he's still game to go and try any attack and try and beat players. And that that's... That is the difference, I think, with Ryan Ken. You, the difference between Ken and Arebo both suffer for inconsistency, but with Ken, you, you get that determination and that gallusness that, no, but fuck it, I'll, I'll take my chance when it comes. Kent, Kent will go all game, every game. He never shies away. You know, and Kent can have players doubled up in them. We've seen that with Frankfurt. They've done the homework, they doubled up in them. We've seen it many a time in Europe, and he always asks for the ball. He never shies away. You know, and with Kent, probably maybe his composure in front of goals probably the thing that lets him down the most, but it's a hard one. Um, but Aribo, Aribo had some great finishes and he had some poor ones as well, you know? Aye. Does anybody well, think that we'll change our formation at all? Because we're, we're thinking about this as Rangers were playing last season, and it, to me it seemed like it was a, it was a Gerrard 
formation in a Gerard team. Do you think there's a chance that Van Bronckhorst will change the style or change the change the, the tactics and then therefore our sort of structure the team that we see it will change? It's hard. I think so. Sorry, can you? Sorry, um, I, I I think so, Graham, because we've seen last season um, that Geo likes to change it in the same game, like go like switch the formation and the tactics as well. And I think uh, we didn't want to change too much too soon. But I can see us having a plan A, B, and C, and I think that'll that'll change how we look at signings. I think they'll be we'll come on to who we're coming in, but I think there'll be strikers to compete with Morelos, replace Morelos in certain situations and play alongside with him. That might be the wee boy football manager uh, head coming out to play, but that's, I do think um, that's how we're going to set up. Chris, were you going to come in there? Sorry. I was just going to say, it's hard to tell. It just depends on who he brings in, you know. Right now, we can only guess with the players we've got and it would be kind of natural to go back to how we played last season. That's what I mean. I think we're just trying to, in my head anyway, when I'm thinking about, right, how, how would we line up, you know, and I don't think we'll actually know until we start to see it, you know, West Ham game or the Spurs game. Do we start to see things maybe differently? Do, they, do we start going 4-4-2 or do we start doing things, do we, does he want two strikers up front, in which case actually this sort of role that we, we had for Aribo doesn't really exist anymore? Um but yeah, it's just just a thought there. I think yeah. GOFM has proved to be flexible, you know. So he, he can he'll look at the opposition, and and he'll adapt the, the structure of the side to you know and how he sees he would best counter what, whatever their strengths are and, and maximise our strengths. So if nothing else, he's he's proved to be quite adaptable, and his and his outlook in terms of structures, and even changing within a game, it can be quite radical. You know, he's able to just change it half time. He'll just change it completely and. He's happy to do that. And I think that's what we really missed last season. I mean, it's the obvious the obvious scenario. Well, we're talking about the strikers, but I suppose this, we could have been unlucky in any position. We were unlucky with Morelos and Ruth. What if the two, God forbid, the two right-backs get injured, the two left-backs get injured, whatever. We, we, we didn't have the players to adapt, so we tried to change like for like, or we had to adapt radically, whereas... I think we need to build a squad now where if I, no, even if Morelos is injured, if Morelos is playing shite, if Ruth is playing shite or the game just doesn't suit them, then we can change something. I think we need the balance of swapping like for like and bringing something different on. And I think under Gerard, we always had like for like. That was what it was. If a player was having a bad game, somebody was coming on with lesser ability to do the same job. Craig, the... The comments in the, in the comment section, obviously, that's where the comments go. But uh, what the viewers are saying is, we all talk about getting a striker, uh, at least one striker, preferably two, and a right winger as well. So the big rumour that's been going on for about two weeks, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here. Uh, I thought it was Kolach, but David P is more cultured than I, and I think is is it Kol- Kulak? Kulak. Kulak, there you go. There we go. English isn't my strong point, but Craig. Um, Antonio Chulak, um looks to be a goer, and that's kind of coming into what what I was saying there. He's 
it's obvious to compare him to Daryl Purcell because he's a big fuck-off creation and he's good in the air. Um, according to his YouTube highlights, um, can hold the ball in. A bit different from what we've got. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I want to see somebody coming in a bit differently compete with that number nine because um, it shouldn't be a given that Morelos is always your starter. He might very well be the best striker, but I think he has to continue to work for it. Aye, 100%. I, I think he's he's up there with the, the comparison with Purcell, probably similarly as well. Some people called him Purcell and some people called him Purcell. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I've, I've kind of tried to stay away from the, watching the, the YouTube uh, videos of him. I, I kind of stopped doing that after, after Sadiq because I thought that guy was an absolute world until uh, i seen him playing a Rangers jersey for about 20 minutes. I think that's as much as he actually played apart for the that's it was the semi final he played against Aberdeen. Um, I'm just uh, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic. I think it's pretty obvious where I can stand with my opinion on Rangers kind of dealings in the summer um, so far. And, um, I pray that it's just that Rangers are doing the business really, really discreetly and really well. Because um, I said that I said it in last week's show. I, the videos are coming out of the pre-season and stuff like that. And you, I mean, I couldn't help. I was looking at the pictures of the players the day and it was like um, Big Borna and, and uh, Katic kind of standing talking. And I'm like, ah, what are they talking about? Are they, are they going like, ah, where's these players coming? Um, and, and then I'm trying to think of what's the mindset of these players when they're coming back because obviously they fell short last year. They, they, a lot of them were very honest with, with how, they, how the season panned out and they spoke about how they did fall short and they didn't have the the, the kind of reserve in tank to, to, to kind of push on and I think if I was a player in that team um, you, you wouldn't be able to hit the, you couldn't help but think right there needs to be players here and I know we've asked about this striker that's coming in and to answer what you're saying they're calling about what we need I we need somebody to really really push Morelos so that when Morelos is um coming and speaking through his agents about potential moves and maybe not playing his best and looking a bit huffy like he can at times. Um, he's got that player that's basically saying, I'm going to take that jersey off you. And just what Chris said, like, Roof, brilliant player. Probably my favourite striker on his game. Um, but you can't rely on that guy to, to play very many games um, for us. I, I, I pray that, I really, really hope that he's, he proves me wrong with that. But... Um, I think last season when we're relying on Big Joe playing in the final um, up front and kind of thinking how we're going to do this and stuff, I, like I really don't want to be doing that again this season. I, I don't. I mean, hope, hope to God that we're in a European final again, but hopefully we're not coming up to the, the end of the, the season where we're playing old firm games and we're playing games that we really need to win to to push it over the line to win that league, and we're not worrying about. Who can we play up front because Alfie's injured or whatever? Um, there needs to be that, that four. I, mean, I, I think a, a club like us should have four top strikers, um, three, maybe another one in reserve. Um, for me, far too long as well, Rangers have played with just one up top. Um, I think in the league in particular, I in Europe, it's, we've got the formation like down to a T where we know how to play, we know how to control, we can go, we can attack. Um, in the league when you're playing against St Murden and all that and you're playing with one striker and 
I, I just hate seeing it. And I know that Morelos hasn't really proven that he can really play up top with another player, but just touching, touching on the formation thing, I would, I would hope that that's something that we're looking at. Um, I know that we play with the, the kind of wide men up top and we can play with kind of three at the top and stuff like that, but um, I would love to see, I say it, I say it as well, like a kind of battering ram up there that, that can take knockdowns and um, play against these teams like Olivia away and a November night when it's absolutely gashing down the rain and all you're doing is getting high balls up and down. Um, somebody that can go up, bring the ball down, hold the ball and lay it off to, to somebody like Morelos or, or whoever it may be. But um, listen, maybe Kolach is uh, the man or Kolach. I mean, there's no pressure on him. I mean, when it comes to big creation strikers, he's only got Pursho and Jelovic taking Pete away, so um, I think one of the listeners said um, if he's half the player Pursho was, then we're only a winner, and I totally agree. Um, hopefully he'll be, he'll be a big mad bastard as well, and he'll inherit the mad bastard creation headband that um, Bonavarisic and Dado Pursho once wore, but time will tell. Just on that, has there ever been a bad creation football player? Apart from that one that Celtic's got. <laughs> aye. Um, aye, that Benkovic donkey and whoever that fucking right back is. I don't know. Starts with a J. Aye, they're assholes. Um, anyway. Well, fingers crossed we haven't found them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's... Graham, see in terms of the business we're doing, um, one, of the, one of the listeners... Uh, called out that it's no time for uh, panic stations yet because we do our business quietly. That is probably the most sensible thing I need to hear right now because he's right. Like It's it's no... <laughs> Craig's nearly having a meltdown. Craig's face is turning the same face as his fucking jersey. That is quite sensible because we're only a week back in the pre-season. That makes sense, okay? But... I'm scarred over the last few years where we've not done it early, so it means we've got to do it very late. And there's every chance that some signings can be announced in the next seven days. And I think if we know that's when we should hit panic stations, but what's your thoughts? Um, should we be worried or is there still plenty of time for these players to come in and embed before the football starts? Uh, plenty of time. We've got two weeks before the first home game anyway. First home games against West Ham, That's the that would be my... I would expect to see one or two in by then, but absolutely don't panic. I'm sure there's things happening in the background. I'm actually surprised that the Kolak thing has got out because we've been so tight between what we're... We, we never release anything. We just seem to sign players and they just come out of nowhere and we're like, where'd that come from? That's certainly what's been happening in the past. So there's been a lot... Um, there's been no leaks from the club, which used to happen quite a lot. There's no... The daily record don't get a sniff at anything. Nobody hears anything. I know you probably do, Colin, because you're in there with the, the media team and all that, but... Getting uh, chucked in. Aye. <laughs> but no, there's no sniff of it. You never hear a whisper. So I'm even surprised that the Kolak ones came out. Um, I, I'm not panicking. Plenty of time to do it. Plenty of time to get embedded. And we've got a team there ready enough to take on the qualifiers. I hope that's no uh, a jinx or whatever, but... I'm confident that the team that we've got or the, the, the players that we've got there will get us through any qualifiers we need to do. So, no, I'm I'm more than confident. In terms of the players that are coming in, Kolak, 
I'm not the best best person to ask about these sort of things. I only know Kolak because I've seen him at Ibrooks. He scored two goals. They were good finishes and he played okay. But at that point, it was 10 men as well. So he didn't really have much to do. From, from memory anyway, from my memory of that game, he didn't really have much to do, but he took his two chances very well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm set. I used to be, I used to know all the players all over Europe and now I, I just don't, I, I don't know anybody. You were mentioning that Fabrizio Romano and I was looking to see if that was a centre forward for Inter Milan. Like, who, who, who's, who's Romano? I've never heard of this guy. But yeah, so I'm not the guy to ask about potential signings. So I need to wait to actually see them at Ibrooks um, against us or, um, or once they actually sign for us. Craig, you're coming in. Aye, just uh, do you know it just came to me there as well. I remember seeing it in Follow Follow and then I seen it in like the news outlets and it just I've never ever ever heard this in my life when I agree a fee for a, a player, but yet the club that you've agreed the fee with have yet to decide whether that player can go. And um, so for me that that's not an agreed fee. Um I don't know if anyone else kind of knows anything else about that. So as far as that I thought it was meant to do with the, the the club we are signing for. I never know if it's PAOK or PAOK, like because I've heard people say both of them. Um, so that Greek mob, they've like they've agreed to sell us, but they are needing a replacement in first uh, before they let us let them go. Um, so I think they're just thinking worst case scenario for them. But apparently they are close to bringing in somebody, and then as soon as they do, it's just a domino effect. I don't know how. I, I get my news for fucking heart and hand and uh, four lads had a dream, so I, I don't know. However reliable they are. Um, basically, I had a gallon for you. It's just a regurgitated pod. Sorry, folks. Uh, but we're up coming. We're up and coming. I'm coming, aye. We're on YouTube now. Um, Chris, if you do come back, you'll get to know me very well and get the gist that I'm an absolute pain in the ass because I'm very glass half full and I will always look for the good in every scenario for Rangers. It comes to the right place because I want Rangers to do well. Of course. Same, same with, uh, kind of echoing what Graham was saying there about the, the group of players we've got. I know no everybody will agree with me. I think we've got the foundation there for like, a squad that can go and do very, very well in this season. I think we just need three of Maybe three big signings that can go straight into the the first team, um, or at least realistically challenge. So this striker, a right winger, and a a dynamic midfielder, maybe different for Joe Aribo. He was more of a maybe a utility midfielder, but somebody who's going to be coming in maybe box to box, get you ten fifteen goals. Basically, I'm thinking a young Barry Ferguson, but that's <laughs> um, he's not got to come back anytime soon. What's your thoughts on where we are compared to what we need to do? Same as yourself, you know, we've got a we've got a great squad. The strikers, to me, is well, what hindered us last year. As I said, um, the right winger for me, the whole Barisic thing to find out where he's at. Ideally, if Barisic, it just doesn't something doesn't sit right with me with him just now. I'd ideally want a young left back to come in and spend a year studying Bassey. Then, if Bassey does go, like if Bassey has a season like he had that second half of last season, then 
would be very lucky to keep him on than this young left back to step in in his place, you know. I think the centre-backs were sorted. Goldsonstein is magnificent. That's like a new signing. Katic is coming back. Um, if he's going to fight for his place, then you've got Suter, Hollander, if he can stay fit. Same with Suter as well, you know. Then we've got Bassett can slit him there. So that's not a problem for me. It's just all about who goes, you know. We've got Kamara. Do we know where he's at? Is he comfortable staying? Or is he going to go? If he goes and he needs replaced, Jack, is he over the worst of his injuries? Or is it going to be another season where we get a further for the season with Jack? Do you know what I mean? Um, goalkeeping, I'm happy for McLaughlin to step up to first place. No problem with that at all. If that's what the, the agreement is with McGregor staying as second choice, plays the cup games, um, I'd imagine Crory will move on if he's not getting first team football especially at his age now where it's prime time for a goalkeeper, if you know what I mean. So there's not much it needs done. Um, I was worrying about right-back, then completely forgot about the Polish boy. <laughs> and I he's seen his goal up, by the way. He's a oh, fucking shithouse now. Oh, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? Just to see the picture of when he's made his debut in the cup game to, to him when he was playing against Fissel in the bounce game. So maybe we'll see a wee bit more of him, but it's hard because his position's a captain's position, do you know what I mean? No, you're spot on, and it's um, RFC 56, he just said about the crowd today, and we've got a young Adam Devine hopefully breaking through. Adam Devine's a player, by the way. He is a player. I mean, I would have... That boy will be... Uh, he will be get some first-team football, Adam Devine. That boy looks a player technically superb. And the bits I've seen of him, you know, which is, hasn't been a huge amount of time, but very impressed with that boy. Very impressed. The talk of Gilmore as well, if he was maybe coming on loan, that's went awful quiet, so I don't know if that's just been rubbished or if that maybe occurs again, and would Gilmore fit in? I think he would, you know. Well, I've seen him on my life. We wouldn't need uh, any more cover in midfield. I think Gilmore, I wouldn't be taking loan players, you know, to play loan players instead of the, the midfield players that we do have because we should be more than covered. You know, we've got Charlie McCann, we've got Alex Lowry, it's time to uh, give these guys a, a, a wee run, run out because that's that will be the trading model that we'll uh, we'll, we'll see is you know keep the hit, the turnover up. So if we should find out, you know, obviously it's going to be up to Geo to manage their time, their introduction to first team football. But they have to play competitive football eventually. So you're going to have to uh, put them in there and, and find out whether they're they're up to playing for Rangers or not because sometimes you know they have all the technical ability but they just don't have the mentality to go and play for Rangers in which case the whole thing falls down so we, we will need to find that out this season about some of the, the prospects that are coming out of Hawking Howie uh, and, and sort the good for the bad but that's really the manager's job and in terms of what signings do we need what youth players do we need what project players you know the the, the boy that we've signed for Millwall he's obviously going to be uh, looked at depending how he comes on you know Maybe he'll appear because uh, he's he's played for Millwall's first team. So you're thinking this guy guy should be kind of well on in, in terms of development. So there's a number of options. So isn't he kind of head in the oven type time just yet for us? But uh, I think as uh, as Graham said, you know, it's we, we don't really there's no panic stations yet. We'll get the the first couple of games under our belt, and I'm sure Gio will uh, will try and plug any weaknesses. Certainly for me. If, and what the fuck do I know? But we would we certainly need a right winger uh, and 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 some help up front. And 
maybe a, a, a more, as I think as you said, Colin, some, someone who's going to chip in 15 goals a season from midfield. Because our midfielders, you know, collectively last season didn't do that. Because I think we'd, we'd uh, Aribo, you know, in the number of games he played, and we scored eight goals. You know, Ryan Kent scored three goals. So we need to get a team which are going to spread the goals uh, among them. You look at Tavernier's goal scoring record compared to some of our midfielders. It's, uh, I don't know, they, they can look him in the eye, to be honest. It's a freak of nature, to be fair. A loan signing's completely out for everybody. Does nobody want to see a loan signing at all? Is that? I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to think of a loan signing, you know, in the last two or three years that's actually been good for us. What, what one has actually worked? Ryan Kent would be, uh, we had him on loan, you know, and then we, we made the sign permanent. So, but other than that, you know, we've had, uh, I, I really don't see it. I think we're just, we're, we're developing other teams' players. I would rather develop our own players. So, I've, if, uh, I've made the point um, the last few weeks about, which is where Rangers need to direct our resources. So, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that, Clubs like Rangers use the loan market if they're done right. But I think what we need when we need first team players um to come in and just directly improve and be fighting for spaces as opposed to filling up as opposed to being squad fillers, Chris. The point I've been making is that I think we've got the squad fillers now. I think Arfield and Davis, they'll like you'll maybe get 10, 15, 20 games a season. Them combined with the likes of Lowry, McCann, Adam Devine, these boys, I think we've got enough experience, the good balance of experience and youth to be the squad fillers. That's why I think if it is going to be a loan, it has to be like a marquee loan, um, if you get me. Absolutely. If if the loan's going to improve the squad, then I'd be all for it. Um, obviously, we're all going to be hurting a wee bit with the Ramsey one because that never worked out. A, a huge point, a huge part of last season's problem was not seeing games out. Now, a lot of the points dropped, especially at home, but from winning positions. The Hearts game at Ibrox, where we drew one each, in the last 10 minutes, we were hitting the post, we were, we were near enough six yards out, missing chances and stuff like that. So, we're talking about the squad fillers, you're wanting people to come on that can see games out. Whereas, when we, Defoe left... There was games last season, you think, if he was on there, but the team could have made that the, the final goal, would have seen the game off, you know. Motherwell at Ibrooks as well, winning 1-0, missing chances, it ends up one each to 2-0, to 2 each game as well. Arfield last season proved that he can still come off the bench and um, make a difference. The Livingston game at Ibrooks, um, just after the break, what, didn't know where the goal was going to come, Arfield pops up, the Scottish Cup semi-final. Do you know what I mean? We think to ourselves, well, here we go again. We've, we've played well here and they've nicked it. Then Arfield pops up and saves the day, you know. Um, with the loan ones, I get what Davey's saying as well, but we don't know the budget we're really working on, do we? Mm-hmm. I know. Nobody's got a clue. Aye. I would no. think that there must be, hopefully, so, I, mean, I mean, if we're going to be flogging a rebo, I, I mean, I'm hoping that that money is, is, not, is not to put another coat of paint on Edmiston House, it's, it's to buy you know, some some players. So we we really need to uh, hopefully reinvest that money wisely as Christ rather than... They'll be going towards the, the, the gas bill for the new hot dogs that they're going to be selling. You know, they need fucking well-fired. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm hoping that these they've, they'll have a list of names that they'll be working their way through. Who's available? Who's not available? Who can be afford to? You know, they'll be doing all that stuff. I'm sure they are. But we need we we need more of a goal threat because the you know as Chris has just touched on, they see the two each game at Ibrox against Motherwell when we were two 0 up at half time. Had it been five 0 at half time, it would not have been uh, undeserved because Rangers absolutely pummeled them that day. We ended up drawing two each. The amount of chances that we created, and to, and and the conversion rate of our chances last season was what eventually came back to bite us in the arse because we had lots of the ball, lots of the ball in their box. We just didn't convert them, and they end, they ended up getting a two in the second half. That was a that was a oh. It was, it was, a few sweary words were uh, mouthed coming out the ground that day because we uh, that should have been stopped at half time, you know, that game. But so we we know we're, we're we need to strengthen. We need to uh, convert more more of the chances we make. Aye. So David makes a really good point there, Craig. Um, just looking at the time and the very you mentioned something I wanted to come back in on um, earlier. So I think it's obvious where we need to strengthen and we do need to strengthen with quality. Talk about the young players, because there's a lot of chat about them getting a chance and they need game time, but this with the same token, we need to bleed them in. Realistically, how often or how often and how many games does an Alex Lowry or Charlie McCann and what scenarios do we get getting put in? Because for example, they're not going to go and start away at Parkhead um like if everybody's fit just for the sake of it. So what how do we bleed them in? I think this is actually a, a, a bigger topic than we probably think, guys, because it's not just about how we're going to perform this season. I think going forward, it's how um, it's going to shape. Davies touched on it, how the model was going to work. Um, we've seen it with Gilmore. Gilmore was probably promised that he was going to play a set amount of games. Um, there wasn't much evidence that that would materialise. Um, us as a club, well, we've started giving Lowry some chances. And Lowry must. I think Lowry is an absolute must that he gets um, a substantial amount of game time. Obviously, he needs to perform to do it, but um, Colin, you and me got to see him at Ibrooks first hand against the, the B team. And uh, to say he was a standout in that game would be like putting it mildly. Do you know what I mean? The, the boy like, strolled it. Um, it was that game, awesome. we both said he looked like a first-team player who had dropped down. That's the biggest compliment I could pay him. Frightening. Um, it, was like, it wasn't It was even... I mean, I, I've played in a couple of matches with ex-pros um, and I've been blown out my backside and they've literally you know, had to leave the centre circle and they've still looked absolutely amazing with what they can do, their sight, the, the, the way they're passing the ball. Every time Lowry got the ball and he didn't look as if he broke sweat, Put the ball through people's legs. He was running around them. Uh, there was three players on him at one point, and and I know that they're playing at a different level at that at that point. But then he came up and played in the first team, and you seen him. Uh, I there was times he played at Ibrox, and, and he he probably had about six shots, um, quite close together uh, in time. But what Chris was saying about Kent, he kept trying and kept trying. So he's got that gallusness that, that David was talking about that, that a Rangers player needs. You know what I mean? The broad shoulders and um, you need it in a, in, a, in a stadium that's filled with us, um, particularly somebody like me, a money face gap. But um, I think going 
just to go back on that, it's so, so important because if you get Alex Lowry to play in that team, does well, listen, see in a year or two, if he does move on and he goes on to bigger things or you see him going up and getting a winner's medal at the end of this season and, and he's not just one of the guys that's standing at the back wearing the suit and you've, you don't even know what his first name is. Uh, you, you want him to be somebody that's actually properly contributed to that. You go... What about the two games that he played against Celtic and he, he absolutely battered them? Um, and then that's what you then show players that the next Gilmore, the next Alex Lowry when a Chelsea or a Man City come chapping and you go, right, you can sit in their bench for the next five years or you can be like that boy um, picking up a winner's medal and actually doing something. Um, and there's Blue Thunder saying Lowry can play a whole 90 minutes. I, I agree with that. There was games at the end of that season that I wanted Alex Lowry to play. And I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. I wanted to play in the final in Seville. Ah, you're just saying that because we go beat. It's easy to say that in hindsight. But and you know the see, see the fact, see the fact that I'll, I'll probably disagree with it. I wouldn't have started in Seville, but the fact that you entertain that as a serious conversation the speech testaments to Lowry because the same conversation was happening for the Scottish Cup final as well and the fact that he is in the conversation, that's not just because he's the best young boy coming through, that's because he's coming through and he's he showed like he deserves a place in the first team squad so but I think um, I think Craig makes a cracking point there though, you know the, the guys, the examples of, of the pathway to the first team from you know youth development if they can see examples of that, then the conversation between them and their agent and, and any potential suitors from down south changes because they, if they can see you, you know, you step up to the mark, you will play. And that, that would be a huge bonus for us because if sometimes, you know, the, the, the I can imagine that the conversation would be along the lines of, well, I'm just going to be warm in the bench here anyway. Why don't I take myself off down south and, you know, and put another 10K in my, my wage packet? So... Uh, hopefully the example is the school of mankind. He will, they will see that this is possible for me to get to the to play European football with Rangers, and uh, that would be the best example of of getting that that whole system to work. That conveyor belt. They're not all going to turn out, but you will. Uh, that's it's, it's going to be a, a bit hit and miss. But certainly, if if they get to the point where they get a first team jersey and they're on that pitch, they've they've at least given themselves the opportunity. Stand up to them. They then take responsibility for their development. See, and see, just to answer what you asked there, Colin, about um, how do we do it? The, the game at Park Ibrox against Celtic, um, for me, I thought that in that kind of game, Celtic wouldn't have known how to deal with somebody like that because they wouldn't have come up against them, apart from the B team games. Um, you get the type of game where there's something about a player like Alex Lowry that Yes, there's a lot of raw talent there. You don't know what to expect. Um, I think you throw them into... Listen, I know you're probably going to disagree with us, but see, see bigger games for a boy like that? You look at Barry Ferguson. Barry Ferguson was playing against Leverkusen away and stuff like that when he was when he was probably about the same age. Um, and and absolute standout player. Charlie Miller's another one, Craig. There's been players that have come in at a very young age and handled it. You can either do it or you can't. So if you're, I know it's a cliche, if you're old enough, you're, if you're good enough, you're old enough sort of thing. But there's many players that have just come in at a young age and that's how you become a football player. Get into that team early and show that you're as good as everybody around about you. Yeah, you're right, Graham. You don't really find out whether they're up to it or not 
until you try them. Because, you know, I think you can you can train them and the technical ability on the training ground until they're out there in, in, in the centre circle with 50,000 people watching them. You're not actually going to find out whether they can cope with it or not. And there's no, no simulations going to tell you that they can or they can't. The comfort you have is that you've got 10 other experienced players around about you that's going to guide you through the game. So that's 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 your comfort blanket. And if it doesn't work after 60 minutes, fine, we bring you off and we'll try again in a couple of weeks' time. But there's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be starting at home at Ibrox. No. You know, we're playing St Johnston or who else we go in the first week. I think we get Hibs in the first few games. Absolutely, get him, get him thrown in. I would, I'd be all for that as well. We always, as Rangers fans, we always want to say we want to see the youth being developed. We're all keen to see it. We all want to see these players coming through. So it's the only way to do it is to play them. There's no point in waiting for a league cup game against Stirling Albion away because it's not a true reflection on what you're going to experience week in week out. You That's right. At, I totally you, agree, Graham. You look at Derek Johnson, he was 16 and he got flung in at the cup final and scores a winner against Celtic, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So ready, you're ready. Yeah. Nah, you're a couple of cup winner medal at 18. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, but, um, I definitely think Lowry's more than ready to go into the first team. Yeah, and I think you'll probably be in good company. There's a few names, you know, like that we could uh, obviously they can't all go in at once, but that's Gio's job. We'll just be to manage their game time and, and save ourselves all the money, you know. Mm-hmm. That's really that that's really what we're after, you know, a conveyor belt of, of talent coming from Okinawa. And you look at the list of names which someone has posted just earlier, you know, there's there's we've got various Really exciting opportunities here to, to bring some of these boys on and uh, give them give them the opportunity. And, and as Graham said, it's not about uh, you can't fake it or we, we and you're not going to do it in reserve team football. You you find out by actually getting them out in the pitch. So let's uh, and it, I think Greg, you mentioned that you know the, the the kind of more experienced players on the you know the Arfields Davis and and these chappies you know will will take these guys under their wing and and guide them through it. So I don't think there's there's much to be gained by putting them on, you know, 15 minutes to go when it's already 3-0. I think you have to get them on from the start and find out, you know, when, when you're in a competitive match, this is it real, this is live. We're not uh, pulling any punches for you. We're Rangers, we need to win. Let's go. What a way to wrap up there. I know last week was a bit, because nothing was happening, it was a bit of four grumpy old bastards just getting everything off their chest. But I'm feeling good. I can't wait for Alex Lowry to get three winners' medals. Uh, we'll, we'll settle for the league, the Euro- Europa League, and the Scottish Cup. Um, one, one other thing, Colin, though, I think the, the, the support have to uh, calibrate their expectation because this won't happen instantly. You know, and, and it can be a tough gig. I, I think it would be a crushing. To, I just can't imagine. I couldn't go with it. It'd be, if, you know, being out there and, and 50,000 bears, you know, and the urge to uh, just try harder, try harder, it needs to be done in the right environment, I think. And, and the supporters have to play their part in, in their expectation of these players. You know, so it's, you've, you've seen, you know, the Ibrox can be a, they'll be a tough crowd. Christ Almighty! I, mean, I think I think there's more chance of Rangers announcing six signings tonight than us changing overnight. But slowly but surely we'll get there. You're right. We do need to play our part. But I think that's um, that's an hour and ten minutes, lads. That, that fucking flies in when you talk about the old Rangers, eh? 
Um, I think that's as good a time to wrap it up as any. Um, as always, thanks for everybody who's watched, who's checked in with our, our questions and our comments. Um, really appreciate it. Gets the gets the conversation going. And last but not least, thank you to my four guests. First of all, a solid debut by new signing Chris. Thanks for coming on, mate. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers for coming, mate. And making his return, Graham Curry. Good to see you again. Cheers, boys. Enjoyed that. Can't wait for this season to start now. I'm feeling confident after that chat. We are the people. Our favourite old storyteller when he's on on his rant, Davy Park. I well, I mean, we're back in action on Saturday, so I, I don't know whether there's that game on RTV or not. I know I'll find out. But uh, so this is the time that we uh, get things sorted for hopefully going to be a big season for us. Big season. Wish yeah. fifty six is coming, boys. And last but not least, uh, Craig, before you say your cheerio, do you want to what, fill the listeners in what you've got planned for the coverage in the Masters this Friday? I almost forgot about that there, Colin. Um, oh, did, mate. Don't you worry, mate. I was getting lost with Big Dave. Big Davey gets the juices flowing, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> big articulate bastard that he is, eh? Um, but he's, um, do you know, uh, Masters on Friday... I don't know if anyone's had a chance to look at the, the lineups, but the, the Rangers lineup um, going to Brayhead is absolutely phenomenal. Um, we've got the likes of Mendes, we've got Alan Hutton, we've got Barry Ferguson, um, we've even got uh, Belfast's very own Carolyn Goals. Um, but I, I'm, I'm buzzing. Um, Celtic, Celtic, I'm actually quite underwhelmed with the team that they've taken. Um, I had a wee look at them earlier on, and uh, Simon Donnelly, who I thought he must be. Peaking about sixteen, um, I mean he's been Still on. Still the... Aye, uh, do you know aye? Um, so I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm going to do a wee video um, from the the game with my or the the event. Sorry, with my, my wee boy. And hopefully, there's some good uh, football and showing um, some stories to tell. And I'm also going to do a wee vlog as well from uh, Blackpool and see if we can get some some good footage for the game in the, the stand as well, boys. Looking forward to that. See, we're more than just five edits talking in a YouTube video, eh? We, we actually did try and cover the games. Um, <laughs> just can't wait for the games to come back, so we've got a bit more than fucking transfer rumours to talk about. But thank you for everybody who's listening. Um, we'll see, see you all at some point next week. We are the people.